Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Jay Cooper here, another Baseball America Playoff Podcast. Again, another solo edition. Letting Kyle get a little bit of sleep because uh, we're going to hit him up a lot next week to talk LCSs. So today we only had one game to analyze because we had our final LDS game last night. The uh, the Astros jump out early, knock off the Rays 6-1, and set up what really is kind of, I guess you could say is the the ALCS that we've been gearing for most of the season. The Yankees have looked very dominant most of the year. The Astros have looked even more dominant. And so we have the, I would say, the two best teams in the AL during the regular season are, are facing off now with the winner going on to the World Series. But we'll get to that. We're going to start, obviously, with what happened last night. And Talk about a game where there's not much to analyze because the reality of it is is that this game was largely over almost as it started, which I guess has happened twice in do-or-die games over the past two days. Obviously, the Cardinals-Braves game was much more over quickly than this one. But the reality of it is is that there really wasn't time for any kind of strategic decisions because I believe it was 10 pitches into the game, it was 3 nothing which in hindsight, when you've got Garrett Cole on the mound, is, was all that they needed, all the Astros needed. And what we had was the, uh, the Astros, what, what Tyler Glasnow himself said after the game is, is looking on video, he realized that he was tipping pitches, he was tipping his fastball, and those Astros hitters are, are very much good enough that if you're tipping pitches and they know what's coming, you're probably in trouble. And that's what the top of the Astros lineup did. And that was all that was needed because Garrett Cole is really, really good. And Garrett Cole was really good again. I I personally thought that he wasn't close to as on top of his absolute A-plus game like he was in his first start of the series. But one of the things that stands out about Aces is that they can succeed. They can do much of the same. They can survive. And, and still give a, a very effective outing, even if they, they don't have everything. I didn't think his location was as sharp. I didn't think his you know command control, I didn't think that his, uh, even the quality of his pitches of his breaking balls was as sharp as that first game, which it's not saying much because Garrett Cole in that first game was about as good as anyone you'll ever see. But he still was really good. 
you still could locate an elevated fastball up in the zone or really out of the zone that was almost impossible, it seemed like, for Rays hitters to lay off of. He was never really in trouble. Yeah, Sogard did hit a homer, but that, that was essentially almost it. And, and the reality of it is, is by the time he left the game, he handed off, you know, just a, uh, a situation where it was absolutely uh, uh, an easy finish. And, you know, again, I do want to note I struggle with this because we have all kind of listeners, and I know for some this is going to be so so pedestrian as to be like, why are you talking about this? But I do think it's worth noting, which is Glasnow talked about he was tipping pitches. I know the Astros and other teams have been accused in the past of stealing signs, maybe, you know, whether, then there's, again, even when stealing signs, there's the, it is okay if you are just watching and you see the sign and you figure it out. That's kind of considered part of the game, and there's a difference between that and video analysis and all that. This is not about them. This is Tyler Glasnow was doing something. I don't know yet what it was. I didn't go back and look at the video. But Tyler Glasnow was doing something he believed in his delivery that gave an indication of when he was throwing his fastball. He was doing something with his handbrake, with his gloves, something. We don't know yet what, but something that was different. And it's easy for that to happen. You have to stamp it out when you find out. By the time... You know, by the time he found out, it was too late. Um, But the reality of it is, is I didn't feel like that the Rays, there was anything strategically they could have done any different. I know I did see some people on Twitter kind of complaining, why is Glasnow, they didn't pull Glasnow quick enough. But the reality of it is, is it was 3-0. If you don't start the game with a reliever out in the pen warm, even in a do-or-die game, you, you do that if someone starts to get into trouble. And the Astros were so aggressive that uh, none of their first uh, four batters went deep counts. It was something where you were, they were hitting first, second, or third pitches where it, that game was 3 nothing, and eventually 4 nothing after a mound. But that game was 3 nothing almost as soon as the, that inning had started. And I can't really come up with any scenario where it would have been easy to have even had a reliever into that game unless you had someone who was masterfully, um, is masterfully good at getting warm quickly, which is one of those little inside hidden parts of the game that uh, I will digress because I love this story. They, uh, if you remember Chris Carpenter, not the Chris Carpenter you're thinking of probably, but the Chris Carpenter who was a uh, pitched at Georgia and then with the Cardinals in the late 80s. He was one I remember hearing this story about, which was Chris Carpenter felt comfortable that he could be fully warm. He had a rubber arm. He felt like he could be fully warm in about 10 pitches, 12 on a, on a rough day. And so what that meant is, is I mean, you get, you get your eight. So what that meant was is that two to four pitches in the pen. Now, again, there's some stretching before that and all too, but... After two to four pitches, he felt ready to come running in. He would get his, you know, his warm-up pitches on the mound, and then he was ready to go. Well, okay, a guy like that, but then you know, there are other relievers who they are going to need a lot more than that. And the reality of it is, is that, you know, once Glasnow got through that first inning, he was fine. It wasn't a long outing, but he was, again, he wasn't great either. But 
it, it wasn't something where there was really much of anything that they could have done. By the time they figured it out, it was just too late. And the other thing that does stand out of that game is it was a game five. And so what did the Rays do? They, they put nine pitchers on the mound to get nine innings. They, after Glasnow left the game, I believe that Nick Anderson is the only pitcher who actually threw more than an inning. I, it may not have been a great from an aesthetic standpoint, but I also understand it. You're trying to win the game. You do what you can. And really, for most of the game, it late on it late in the game, it did not work as well. But for most of the game, that actually worked out quite well for the Rays. And obviously, it had worked out quite well for them on in Game Four as well. Uh, the The offshoot of that is is that I, for one, welcome the idea. You know, the rule change that's going to basically make pitchers face uh, three batters, partly because I, I, I'm not uh, a fan of there. There is nothing I think that is that that disrupts the pace of a game, the momentum of a game more than the in-inning pitching change. Uh, again, if you want to change pitchers after an inning, don't care. But in-inning pitching changes are something that is that is difficult to sit through, especially when you see, you know, uh, we've seen cases in the playoffs where you see, uh, a, you know, one, two, three, you know, you see three batters, you see three different pitchers. That's, a, that's an epically long inning. And again, I, I'm all for, I don't, it's not the time of the game as much as it is what's happening. And three pitching changes in an inning is going to be an inning where what ends up happening is, is that you have generally six minutes or more of commercials and nothing happening. And there's a whole lot of non-action there going on when you see that many pitching changes. So I'm not going to have a problem with it changing to where pitchers are required to get more outs than they are right now. Um, but I, I do think that you, you kind of look back at this Rays season, and I, I think you still have to consider a success for the Rays. They had a, a very good season. They were very competitive, very good in an, a very difficult division. It's always a very difficult division, but this year again. And the reality of it is, is that they took a team that I would say right now is, is probably still the favorite to win the World Series. They took them to five games. They took them to the, uh, the edge of the precipice in a five-game series. And the thing that makes this Astros team so tough is the only way that the Rays could win this series is to get, they were going to have to get two wins against Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole. A combination of those two. They were going to face them four times. They had to win two of those. That's going to be really hard to do. That's the same challenge that we're going to see for the Yankees. The reality of it is, is even though they kind of threw, you know, everybody, they had to go much deeper, just kind of mapping out, you know, I, I would assume, just kind of did a little back of the napkin calculation this morning. I'm assuming we're going to see Granke in game one, who will be on normal rest. I'm assuming we'll see Verlander in game two, who will be on normal rest. Then you get the day off, so you'll see Cole in game three. The question will be what you see in game four. I would assume maybe, you know, again, you're going to see either Equity or, uh, you know, you're going to see one of the other uh, Astros starters in game four. No question. That's still kind of up in the air what who that would be, I would assume. I don't think they'll bring everyone back on short rest. But if you do that, then you got Granky game five, you got Verlander game six, you got Cole game seven. 
Well, that sets up really well. I mean, if you're the Astros, you're fine with that. You would be quite happy to have Garrett Cole as your Game 7 starter if it gets to that point. And again, if you lay that out, the Yankees could beat Granke twice. They could beat whoever the Astros start in the other game of the series. But if they, they're going to have to, they're going to have to get a W uh, against uh, Verlander or Cole, and that's where it's going to be really tough because the reality of it is, is that as good as this Yankees team is, I do not think that they have a starting pitcher who is as good right now as Justin Verlander or Garrett Cole, and so. That's what makes beating the Astros such an af- absolutely uh, difficult uh, assignment because you have to beat those guys. And Garrett Cole in this series was just not going to be beaten. Yes, they, Justin Verlander had one of those starts where he wasn't going to be beaten. He had one where they, they beat him up. But that's not enough. So it will be interesting. There, there's just it, it does feel like when you face the Astros right now, your margin for error is so small compared to to everyone else. Like if you, I, I just do not think it's comparable when you look at the Yankees rotation. There's no okay. Well, this is going to be the the impossible game that's going to be really difficult or impossible is too far. But this is going to be the, a really challenging game. We got to win these other games. No, there's there's just no one in that that Astro uh, that Yankees rotation that I think you can say that about. There's guys who can absolutely put up very good starts. I mean, look how good Tanaka's generally been in the playoffs. But that's not the same thing as I, watching Garrett Cole in this series. I just do not know how it, it would have been very difficult for anyone to have beaten Garrett Cole. And, you know, and we can uh, cue Adam Adovino and talk about the 27 Yankees. Yeah, I don't think uh, Babe Ruth's hitting that Garrett Cole fastball. But to be honest, I don't think anyone was really hitting that Garrett Cole fastball. That's what makes this Astros team so difficult to beat, and they did survive. They did get taken to the uh, to Game 5, but they did survive. I do think the Rays will be in contention again next year. You look at them, and the reality of it is is that they're, they're, I do think the payroll is going to have to start going up a little bit, and that may be the challenge that always is the challenge for the, uh, for the Rays. But at the same time, the Rays also continue to have an excellent farm system. I would expect... Brendan McKay will step into a larger role next year uh, in the rotation. I do think that they'll have a number of players who will now be in AAA, Double uh, A, AAA next year, which usually, if you look at how the race progression goes, they want those guys to have some significant time in the upper minors before they call them up. And then that gets to the, obviously, the, the final question, which is, oh, so when's Wander Franco coming up? And the reality of it is, is that it wouldn't be shocking to see him start the year in Double A, and Wander Franco is one of those guys. The the Astros, they were sorry, the Rays do not move guys quickly, generally, but there have been exceptions to that. Evan Longoria is one that stands out as an exception to that. I would not be shocked to see Wander Franco. You know, if let's call it, maybe he's one of those very few September call-ups that there are next year. Uh, I wouldn't stun me, although it also wouldn't stun me that. The Rays being kind of slow movers might wait till 2021 to have him up in in Tampa Bay, but it's a very good farm system. It's a team that doesn't really have they they have some guys who are budding stars, but they don't really have stars as much as they have a whole lot of depth and a whole lot of guys who are useful in roles, and so that makes it a little easier. This is not something where they're having to look at okay, how do we 
how do we replace, you know, this player is departing or this player is departing. They, they just have a whole lot of versatile guys. So I do think they'll be back in it next year. The Astros don't have to worry about that yet. The Astros are worrying about Saturday. They face the Yankees. And that's going to be a truly fun series, I think. That Yankees lineup is, now that everyone's kind of back and, and healthy, is every bit as good as that Astros lineup. I think that the Astros pitching is a little bit better, but I do think the, I should say the Astros starting pitching is better. I do think the Yankees bullpen is better. It does look like Zach Britton is going to be on the, uh, the ALCS roster. It should be a, an absolutely, if you're a baseball fan, I know that, that the, yes, I know there are a lot of fans out there. It's good for baseball, really, that there's a lot of fans out there who are like anybody but the Yankees. And so they'll be rooting for that series just to see, to root against the Yankees. But I just think overall, if you have two really good teams, two great teams facing off in an ALCS, that is that is good for all of us. So we'll look forward to seeing that. We'll look forward to seeing the NLCS kicking off uh, on Friday. So, you know, we're, we're getting rolling and uh, excited to see that as well. You know, Cardinals-Nats, I, I do think that the Nats rotation, now that they've gotten to this point, uh, the Cardinals rotation is very good too. The Cardinals seem to be playing their best baseball of the year right now. But I do think the Nats are, are, are my favorite to win that series. We'll see what happens. Look forward to seeing what happens. So for Baseball America, I'm J.J. Cooper. So long, everybody. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.